Luke chapter number 23, let me start in verse number 39. And very familiar story, it's the story of the crucifixion. And sometime back I did a series on the sayings of the cross, and I know every preacher uh, that's in here that's preached any length of time has preached on those. And as I was finishing that series, the Lord just directed my, my thoughts to these thieves and just a practical message I hope that will help us on this matter of witnessing and soul winning. And as Pastor Wilkerson said in the video, just making sure that our heart and our desire is to win someone else. Now I know tonight where I'm standing and I know the group that I'm preaching to and I know that if I was to ask you is soul winning important, everyone in here would say yes. And everyone in here would say we're supposed to do it. As a matter of fact, I would go as far to say if you're not doing it, you're sinning. I had a rule in our church, and I was a pastor, so I could make that rule that if you were going to sing in our choir, you were going to go to visitation and soul winner, you wasn't singing in the choir. If you were going to be a Sunday school teacher or teach in our school, you were required to be a soul winner. I don't want someone singing about Jesus that ain't in the church that's not out telling someone about Jesus outside the church. And I'm saying to you and I this evening that though we may know about it many times, hey, listen, the number one reason that people will not witness is fear. And coupled with that fear is embarrassment. What's someone going to say about me? Well, the minute they find out you're a member here, you've already been marked anyway. So you might as well go ahead and just give the gospel, amen? Look in Luke chapter 23, verse number 34, and we're going to pick up, sorry, verse 39. We're going to pick up here while Christ is on the cross. The Bible said, and one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him saying, if thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him saying, dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. I want to preach on this thought for a few moments this evening. Confession of a criminal. A confession of a criminal. Father, I love you tonight. And God, I'm so thankful that I'm saved and that I know you. And Lord, I'm humbled. Any man on this platform and many sitting out in the pews could do a much better job than me and many across this country. But you have tasked me tonight to preach the message. And God, I don't want to just fill a spot. I don't want to just hold a place. Lord, I want to be used by the Spirit of God. And I want to say something that would challenge many tonight. God, I'm a human and I'm a man and I can't do that without your touch and power. So I ask of your Spirit of God to anoint me and use me and I pray that everything out of my mouth would please you and that you would get the glory out of this service, that you would touch Brother Wilkerson, give him a good time with his family and bless him. I pray you anoint this church, the men on this platform, and I pray, God, the greatest days of this church lie ahead and in the present. I ask of you, Lord, to help me now. I need you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The confession of a criminal. Let me just give you some things tonight that I've seen here in the passage that I believe would, should challenge us. And first of all, I've got about nine things, but they'll go fast and they are alliterated if you take notes and hopefully you'll be able to keep up. But number one, if you're going to be a witness, this is real simple now, but you've got to be saved. 
I guess you don't have to be, but you're not going to know a whole lot about what you're talking about, amen? And it's amazing to me, you just stop a minute, and I'll say more about this in a minute. The, the, these two thieves, if you were to look in Matthew chapter number 27 and verse number 44, or, Matthew, or Mark chapter 15 and verse 32, the Bible in both of those places talk about both thieves reviling him and casting insults at him. So when Jesus gets on the cross, it's not just one of them that's talking bad. They both start out reviling him according to Mark. I mean, they're not happy with him. They don't like him. They're hearing the Pharisees and others saying, he saved others himself. Let's see if he can save himself. He called on God. Let's see if he'll come down and rescue him. And, and listen, both thieves at the beginning are, are reviling him. I don't know what happened. But somewhere along the way, this one thief looks at Christ and sees him different than he had ever seen him before. This time, this thief had heard about him, no doubt, and he knew that he had done no wrong, which means that this thief had probably heard about Jesus and knew about Jesus and knew what Jesus had done and knew, and it's starting to dawn on this man. I don't know when it happened in there, but I know somewhere on that cross, that thief said, that's the Son of God, and I'm a sinner. And if I'm going to have any chance, I, you talk about faith. He put his faith on a man hanging on a Roman cross, accused of being a criminal. And that thief said, I'd rather put my trust in a man that looks like he's defeated than anything else. Can I tell you, that's the greatest thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm glad we've got a Savior. He's not on the cross no more, but he died for our sin. He rose again, thank God. And that is salvation in a nutshell, the gospel of Jesus. And I'm glad you don't have to be a good person. I'm glad you don't have to be sitting in a church. Church. I'm glad you don't have to be kneeling at an altar, though I'm for all of that. I'm glad you can be hanging on a cross and see Jesus as a Savior and come to him. I'm glad God put this story in here because it blows a lot of theories from preachers away. Well, you have to say this. You have to do this. Well, you have to kind of show it if it's going to be real. I'm glad God put this story in it. Well, it's just one story. Well, one's enough. And when Jesus said, today ye shall be with me in paradise, that's a good enough promise for me. But preacher, he don't use this word, and he don't, he don't make this statement, and he don't, he don't use, I, all I know is with the heart, Romans said, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And when that thief looked at Christ and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom, you know what he was saying? Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm going to hell. I need your help. Everything that needed to be said was said in that one statement because it's not the words of your mouth. It's what's coming from the heart. That helps me and that ought to help you. We get so hung up on, they got to say this word. They got to make this statement. And if we can get that, that's fine. But I'm going to tell you something. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. I'm telling you, the heart is all it takes to trust Jesus Christ. You got to be saved. Are you saved tonight? Well, preacher, it's Wednesday night. Everyone in here should be saved. Should be, but I promise you they're not. Well, preacher, I think I've said, no, no, no. It's with the heart. If you believe he's a savior and you believe that you're a sinner and you believe that he's dying for you and you believe that where he is, you want to be, I'm glad you can call on him. And I don't care what state you're in. 
This thief didn't get to change clothes. This thief, I move around so y'all forgive me. I, I take my jacket off, but I feel like I'd be insulting the platform, so I'll leave it on. I'm used to taking it off and just preaching. And listen to me tonight. This man didn't have time to change clothes. This man didn't have time to clean up. This man didn't have time to kneel. He couldn't kneel. All this man could do was look at Christ and say, you're the one I want. But I'm glad that's enough. If you're not saved tonight, I challenge you, trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Salvation number two. I see not only that if, if we're going to be a witness, there's got to be salvation, but it's got to be seen. What do you mean, preacher? Well, I just told you in Matthew 27 and in Mark 15 in two different places, the Bible talks about both of these thieves at the beginning are reviling him. They're casting insults there. They're, they're, they're laughing at him. They're mocking him. And one of these thieves stops and eventually shuts up and starts looking at Christ different. And don't think for a moment that that other thief didn't notice it. Can I tell you, if we're going to be a witness for Jesus Christ, what you are and who you are says a whole lot more than what you say. What people see in you. Oh, I like it when I can just walk up on the street or be in an airport or be in a restaurant and someone's lost and you witness to them and right there they get saved and they don't know anything about you other than that few minutes of interaction. But many times it's not going to be that way. It's going to be that person you've witnessed to again and again. It's going to be that person that you've talked to, that you've knocked on the door several times, that you have not left alone, that you keep going after. And I'm telling you, what they see in you is going to make a whole lot more of a difference than what you're saying. If you're going to be a proper witness, make sure they see a difference in your life. Why would they want your God if they view you and you're no different than they are? Why do they need your God if when everything's going down, you get as angry and mad and cuss God just like they do? Why do they need that God? When they see God in you, it makes the words a lot more powerful. I'm a nobody, and I've preached on faith all my life, and I really thought I had faith. If you would have asked me one of the strong characteristics, brother, in my life, I would have told you faith until all this stuff in March started and God said, step down, and I found out just how weak my faith was. And I've preached on faith all my life. I've got a lot of messages on faith, and, and, and it's one of my favorite topics to, to preach on along with many others. I just like preaching. But you know, now that I've stepped down and I'm having to walk by, it's amazing. I've had so many people come to me and say, Brother Treadway, your faith has encouraged me. See, it's one thing to talk about faith when it looks like you've got everything you want and you're not really having to depend on God. It's another thing when they know you ain't got nothing and you're dependent on Him. What they see makes a whole lot more impact than what you're saying. I told you this is move fast. You've got to be saved. They got to see something. Number three, your witness needs to be scriptural. Look at what this thief tells this other thief. In verse number four, the one thief in 39 says, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. The other answering rebuked him, saying, Boy, he's come a long way. He's gone from being part of it to now saying, Hey, what are you doing talking to him that way? 
And in verse 40, dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. It sounds like he's saying the wages of sin is death. But this man hath done nothing amiss. Sounds to me like he's acknowledging the sinlessness of Christ. And what I'm saying is everything he says is doctrinally and theologically sound and correct. He's right on sin. He's right on the Savior. He's right on the second coming. And may I say if we're going to witness, you don't have to be a theological doctor. You don't have to have a Bible degree. You don't even have to know a lot. But what we do say, we do want it to be right. Because listen to me, the words of your mouth will not save anybody. By the way, the words of my mouth won't help anyone. You want to know what's going to help someone? The Word of God. That book will get the job done. And all you got to do is know a few verses. You don't have to have them memorized. You can just, just say them from a, from, a, from a Bible or from an app on your phone. There's so many tools that we've got today. But I'm saying that we need to be scriptural. We don't need to add to. Well, now, if you're going to get saved, you need to fix this and this. We don't use that terminology. Well, now, if you get saved, you know the minute you get saved, you've got to stop doing this. No, salvation is one thing, putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And if you're saved, you then get the Holy Ghost, and He'll start reproving and rebuking those things that need to be fixed in the life. Hey, it's amazing to me. People have been saved a long time, and it took them years to get things fixed in their life. New Chris, someone gets saved, and maybe they, they don't quit living together the first day they get saved. Well, they didn't get it. Yeah, you sat in rebellion on tithing for 40 years. Hello? See, our Baptists, we've got our sins that you can commit and you're probably saved, just not right. But if you say you're saved and you do this, ah, you just didn't get it. I'm here to tell you, everybody that trusts Jesus Christ and says you're a Savior and I'm a sinner and I believe I'm going to hell, but you can put me in heaven, I'm glad God saves you to the uttermost. After that, it's a life of growth. Amen. I'm saying it's scriptural. Number four, it's sensible. What do you mean, preacher? I don't know of a more opportune time to speak to someone about their soul when they're about to die, do you? This thief looks over at the other thief and said, hey, do you realize what? we're under the condemnation? We're fixing to die. We're on the same cross just like he is, and we're fixing to die. What do you mean? Hey, listen, this man is sensible. And can I say to you and I, hey, if we're going to be witnesses for Jesus Christ, we need to use some common sense in our witnessing. What do you mean? You know, if I could give you three just practical tips right here, may I say to you, and part of our program that we teach with Brother Wood and, and the soul winning conferences and things that we do is, is four golden keys, and one of them, and the most probably the most important is this, and that is stay on track. Stay on track. What do you mean, preacher? Hey, listen, you get to talking to somebody. I don't know how you do it. You don't have to do it my way. But I like to break the ice, and I like to do it first. So if we sat down at a restaurant, hey, listen, the minute the waitress or waiter comes to me, usually, not every time, but most of the time, the first words out of my mouth when I sit down, and they come up and say, I'm so-and-so, and I'm going to serve you. I say, so-and-so, I call them by name. If their name's Michelle, I say, Michelle, has anyone told you today that Jesus loves you? 
Well, it's hard to get mad at someone telling them that Jesus loves them. And immediately I can tell a whole lot just by their reaction. I've had them break down right there and cry and say, I needed to hear that today. I had one just not long ago. They say, my grandma used to tell me that all the time and I've gotten away from God. I mean, it opens a door immediately. I don't care what you use. Hey, listen, but find something. Hey, listen, to introduce. Brother Rolette's a personal friend, and I've been out with him many a times, and he's got a track that he's wrote, and he'll usually just do something like this. He'll say, after he's done, he'll say, hey, I wrote this. Would you, would you just take a moment and read it when you have time? It's just something I wrote. Well, they don't know what it is at that point, and they say, sure. And then if he can go on, he usually will. I don't care what your approach is, but stay on track. And somewhere along the way, uh, one of the things that we teach is, is very quickly is, is somehow get to, hey, what's your church background? That's not offensive. That's not abrasive. Tell me, do you have any church background? Normally that opens a door. Hey, can I caution you? This is a second tip. Always be kind. I talked to someone the other day, and they said, well, I'm Lutheran. Well, now the Baptist in me wanted to jump on that real quick, Brother Lapina. I wanted to let them know real quick how wrong, but that ain't going to do no good. These people are in there. I think they're, they're in their 70s. They're neighbors of ours, and we're inviting them to church. And, and listen, I could offend them real easy. And so I, I just said, okay, and, and I'm just telling you, listen, stay on track. What's your church background? And then listen. And then after you get their background, don't correct them. I had someone not long ago say, well, I'm in the Catholic church. But well, we all know that's the key to put your stool down, stand on it, and bless God, let them have it for 15 minutes. And when you're done, ain't nothing going to happen. Be kind. That person said, I go to such and such Catholic church. I said, that's wonderful. I said, I said, I sat in the Church of Christ for years. I was raised Church of Christ, and I was raised that if you didn't work and you wasn't good enough and you wasn't baptized, you couldn't be saved. And I said, I said, many churches teach that you got to do this, you got to do that. I never mentioned that Catholicism, whatever. But I just, and in talking, I said, you know, and, and one day God showed me that it wasn't in a church and it wasn't in baptism and it wasn't in works. And though I would have told you you had to be good enough to get to heaven, I wasn't living near as good as the people that were witnessing to me. And, and one day God showed me that I was a sinner and it wasn't a church and it wasn't religion. It was a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I got saved by the grace of God. Have your testimony down and under a minute that you can tell them. Don't have to be nothing elaborate. Don't just make sure that in a minute you point them to Christ. You've not been offensive. You've not been, uh, you've not been derogatory. You've not cut down where they're from. Just listen to their background and immediately give your testimony. Somewhere along the way, this happened not long ago. I was talking to a person that went to a Pentecostal church. I got to my testimony and I got done. They said, now the Church of Christ don't believe in tongues, do they? Do you believe in tongues? You realize tonight I can answer any question you have. Don't care what it is. If I was in a teaching setting, I would have you ask me questions. But let's say Brother Peter said, okay, who was Moses' mother's second cousin on the father's side? That's an excellent question, Brother Lapina. Can I set that aside over here, and let's finish talking about what we're talking about, and when we're done, if you would like that answer, we'll see what we can do about that. See, stay on track. 
What do you, I told you to Catholics some time ago, what do you believe the Pope's infallible? That's an excellent question and that's a great theological truth that the Bible teaches, but can we set that aside for now and can we to finish talking about what we're talking about and when we're done, if you still, you know what I found out? They're usually not going to come back to that question. But the devil will get you sidetracked and get them offended. It's not, listen, they, they, they don't know any better. They don't know the tongues is right or wrong. They don't know anything about the Pope. And you say, well, preacher, they got to have all their doctrines straight if they're going to get saved. No, all they got to know is that they're a sinner and that Jesus is a Savior and that they can believe and trust in Jesus Christ. When I got saved, I was messed up in all kinds of doctrine. When I first got saved, I still thought there was a general judgment. No one taught me about the rapture. Church of Christ don't teach a rapture. It's a general judgment. I had to learn that. I'm saying tonight, stay on track. Don't, don't get off. I don't care what the question is. You could do this real easy. Just use your arms. They say, well, I want to know is, am I okay if I get saved? Am I okay to drink? That's an excellent question. You know, it's been debated for years in the church. Can we set that aside? And let's focus on this right here. And when we're done, I'll be more than glad to talk about that. See, the main thing is not alcohol or the Pope or the, the main thing is Jesus Christ and their soul and they're a sinner. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get sidetracked. Be kind. Let's throw this in. It's not really with the point, but use it or lose it. See, so many people, you preach a message like this, or you get stirred and you say, I'm going to go win souls, and you'll do good for a day or two days or a week. Can I tell you, if you don't force yourself in the habit every day to talk to sinners, you'll quit talking. I don't care how long you've been saved, I don't care how spiritual you are, I don't care how long you pray, I don't care how much you read your Bible. You either use it or lose it. How many of you have gotten on fire and you did really good for a while? And then somewhere along the way, just thought, man, why didn't I say anything? Why well, I got busy. Do you realize we're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ one day? And if I understand my Bible correctly in Revelation 20, I will be there at the great white throne judgment not to be judged. You and I as the church will be witnesses. I wonder how many that's getting thrown into the lake of fire is going to be able to point a finger at you and me and say, why didn't you tell me? Why did you give up on me? Why, why didn't you? You talked about cars. You talked about the football game. You talked about this. You talked about the weather. You talked about COVID. You talked about the election. Not one time did you ever mention Jesus. Be sensible. Well, preacher, I'm just too embarrassed to talk to people. Again, I challenge you. You make time and priority for what you want. What's important to you, you talk about no matter how embarrassed or shy you are. You can be an embarrassed person. You can be a person who don't like to talk. Someone will be talking about your favorite team. You're going to jump in that conversation. I'm saying be sensible. We ought to be saved. It ought to be seen. It ought to be scriptural. It ought to be sensible. May I say, number five, it ought to be, listen, we ought to be shameless in our witnessing. Think about this with me. This thief... I can't tell you how many people I've talked to about winning people to Christ. And here's what they say to me. Well, preacher, if you only knew my past, you wouldn't ask me. Had a fellow last year. I don't think he'd mind me using his name, Brother Dave Beebe. I love Brother Dave. Dave was in the Air Force and somehow 
about a year and a half ago, two years, however long it's been now, his social security number got put on a wrong death certificate and according to the Air Force he was dead and so his retirement and everything he had quit coming. He went from having money and a paycheck and living pretty good to having absolutely nothing. And he was trying to get it straight and it's amazing the hoops he had to go through just to prove he ain't dead, he's alive and it's me and y'all made the mistake. It was a two year process. Brother, well, that was preaching revival for me. This was last year, so it would have been in May, beginning of May. We'd gone to the Golden Corral to eat. And as we were leaving, there's panhandlers. It was, the Golden Corral was right in front of the Walmart, and there was always panhandlers. And normally, they were, they were career panhandlers. And, and I just ignored them because I knew who they were. And, and I was going by, and the Lord spoke to my heart. And I wasn't doing it to press Brother Willett. He and I had been close enough friends. I didn't need to impress him. He knew I was a soul winner. But the Lord, my family's with me, he's with me. And the Lord said, I passed him. I seen this guy standing on the street. He had his dog with him and it was by a leash. And, and the Lord spoke to my heart and said, you need to turn around and go back and talk to that guy. I whipped in the office depot parking lot and said, y'all hang on one minute. Sorry, Brother Willett. He said, Brother, Brother Brian, that's fine. You go right ahead. And, and, and so I got out of the vehicle and I went over to, to the fellow and I said, I'm Pastor Treadway. I'm Pastor Emmanuel Baptist Church. I've seen you standing there. What's your story? He told me his name and he said, preacher, you ain't even going to believe it. I said, well, try me. I said, I've heard about everything and you're right. I don't believe a whole lot. He told me what I just told you and it was so crazy and far out there and such sincerity and the spirit of God spoke to my heart and said, help him. <clears throat> I didn't know this, but in the vehicle, my wife was talking to brother Willette and the kids were, and, and, and he said, and he said something about his, she said, well, I know one thing. He never gives them money. He'll take them and buy them food. He'll go get them a meal. He'll go get them a cup of coffee. But he never gives them money because they're going to use it on something they shouldn't. And he ain't going to let his money go for that. And about that time, she said, I pulled out my wallet and I gave him $40. I told him about the revival. And I said, Dave, I want you to come to church. And I gave him a track and I asked him about being saved. And he said, yeah, I'm saved. And, 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 but, but, you know, and I just need, so I, I helped him. And I said, I want you, maybe he said he wasn't. I don't remember. I gave him the money and I never do that. But the Lord said, give him some money. I said, he said, I'd like to come. I can't come tonight, but I'd like to come. I said, okay, give me your number. I'll call you. We'll pick you up. We'll bring you. If your car's too good to bring someone, you're just too good. I said, I'll personally come pick you up. Just, I want you to come. He gave me a cell number. And I said, well, just to make sure I got it right, I punched it in. I recommend doing this. And I hit send. I wanted to hear his phone ring and make sure he's giving me a real number. I just gave this guy $40. And though I trusted him, I didn't trust him. I trusted what I felt like the Lord was telling me. Long and short, he didn't come to church that night, but he called the next day and we arranged. I had a fellow in the church that was going to be coming right by there, picked him up. He got saved. Gave his heart to Jesus. He's in church today. He's, his service dog's right there. He's finally got his finances straightened out a little bit. He still goes and stands on the corner of Walmart to make ends meet. He's disabled vet. He was in there for us in a long story on how he got injured and he can't work and he depended on that disability and he's still trying to get it straightened out. So he stands out there and he asks for money. Uh, after he got saved, after a little while, one of my men come to me and was bothered and he said, hey, Dave said he got saved. I said, yeah, ain't it wonderful? He said, well, what's he still doing out there on the street begging if he got saved? 
I said, I got a Bible verse for you. The Bible said Lazarus laid at the rich man's gate full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. And the Bible said the beggar died and was buried and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. So it sounds to me like a panhandler died saved. So he can panhandle the rest of his life if he wants. I don't care. He's coming to church. He's gotten saved. He's gotten baptized. He's growing. Are you listening to me tonight? I'm saying to you and I, hey, shame. I've talked to people and Dave got saved. And the very week he got saved, that night he got saved, he went back to the Walmart parking lot. We dropped him off at his vehicle. And he's seen a man. And he started witnessing to him. Spent 45 minutes in the Walmart park, just got saved, a Muslim talking to him about Jesus. And he called me and he said, Pastor, I hope I didn't do nothing wrong. I know I'm just saved and I know I'm smoking. He said, I know I'm living with someone and I know I'm doing all. He, I no one had addressed any of that. He had already knew. But he said, Pastor, I told him about Jesus. I said, Brother Dave, keep telling him. We've seen several people saved because of Dave's witness. Are y'all listening to me tonight? Some of you, well, I would witness, but if you only knew my past. If you, this man's a thief dying on the cross for his sin. And he's looking at another man saying, hey, you need God and I need God. Shameless. Shameless. He could have used the excuse he wasn't good enough or look what he was or what he did. What will the crowd think about me? I mean, he's in front of a whole crowd listening to him. Didn't stop him. He wasn't worried if the man was going to get mad at him. He knew that man was going to die. If we looked at every sinner like that thief looked at the other thief, realizing that person could die at any moment, I wonder how much more shameless we'd be. Then I believe it was spiritual. I'm about done. What do you mean spiritual, preacher? Christ was present when he spoke. Can I tell you at the end of the day, church, it's not in my methods. It's not in me. I can't save anybody. I need the power of God on my life. I need the Spirit of God using my words in my mouth. And I need the Spirit of God touching that sinner. And may I say, what's going to make the difference in your witness is Jesus Christ and the power of God. Don't get so formalistic and ritualistic. You think you can do it on your own. You can't. You need the Lord. Spiritual. May I say it was sacrificial. What do you mean? This man was more concerned with the other thief's soul than he was his own suffering. I remind you, he's hanging on a cross. He's hurting. He's in pain. He's dying. And he's more concerned with that thief's soul than he is his suffering. How, how sacrificial are you in your witnessing tonight? I'm in a hurry, preacher. I, I, you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm facing. My marriage is in trouble. My kids, my finances. I don't care what it is. This man's on a cross suffering and dying. And he put that man's soul over his own suffering. How sacrificial are you in your, how many minutes of the day are you willing to go out of your way just to tell somebody? If supper's 20 minutes late and a soul gets rescued, would that not be worth it? May I say, number eight, he was scorned. His witness, his warning, and his words were all rejected by this other thief. In spite of all this thief did, 
this other one didn't respond. And we're not going to win everybody either. But that shouldn't stop me from telling the next person. And I say this in closing, my last point. This, by the way, you may get scorned. I'd like to tell you every time you present the gospel, people are just going to open their arms and say, thank you so much. It don't happen that way. But I answer to the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a soul that's going to go to hell if I don't do my part. How serious are we tonight? I close with this. This witness was successful. Now, wait a minute, preacher. You just said this man failed. He did with that thief. But can I ask you a question tonight? How many people have been saved from hearing this message preached about the thief on the cross going to heaven? How many sinners have come to Christ through that story? Thousands? Maybe millions? This thief's witness, this thief's salvation, it may not affected that one, but it affected thousands, if not many, many, many more. And can I tell you, hey, listen, the devil's going to want to discourage you. Some of you will get excited. You'll go out of here. You'll stop and get gas. You'll witness. They won't like it or you'll witness tomorrow and they won't like it. And I'm telling you, listen, you may not win that one, but if you'll just keep doing what God said do, I'm telling you, God will give you fruit. And you'll see people come to know Jesus Christ. Can I say it's not just about them getting saved. That's the beginning. At our church, the minute we got someone saved, we tried to get them soul winning with us that week. Because if you look at the end of Matthew and what we call the Great Commission, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, in context it was to go and get someone else saved. The greatest obligation we have, God put us in the kingdom, not for everyone to look at us and say, look at that person. He put us in his family to go get someone else in the family. I want to ask you tonight in closing, if you're a member of this church, how many people are sitting in the pews because of you? How many should be here? Well, preacher, I'm a college student and I don't belong here. How many people are sitting in your home church because of you? How many have been brought to the church because of you? Well, preacher, I can't win thousands, okay? How about starting with one? If you just won one person, just for illustration purposes, if my wife... If I won her and she, stand up, babe, and she won Levi, Levi, stand up, and Levi wins Mercedes, Mercedes, stand up, and Mercedes wins Hannah's friend here, and I forgot your name, it starts with an R. Huh? Okay, stand up, please. And she wins Abigail, stand up. How long would it take before this whole sanctuary would be standing? And then... Mercedes wins two, and those two win one, and then those four win one. I can tell you in about five minutes, everyone, y'all can be seated, everyone in this sanctuary would be standing. Get your eyes off of 15 or 20 or 30. Make it your goal before the end of the year, I'm going to win one person. Just one. Not just see them saved, but they're going to come to church. They're going to get in the baptistry. 
They're going to get them in discipleship. Well, preacher, I don't know if they would let no one else deal with them. Then you disciple them. Well, I don't know much about the Bible. Then be discipled while you're discipling them. See, there's no excuse. If a thief on the cross that just recognized Jesus can be a witness immediately, I believe the example that's been missed all these years out of this, this story is God wants us to see who he is and immediately start telling someone else. Preacher, I'm a new Christian. Wonderful. Your family knows what you were, all you did wrong. Go tell them you met Jesus and he changed your life and get them to church. Get them saved. How's our witnessing tonight? There's a judgment coming. I'm glad my sin is under the blood of Jesus Christ. But I'm going to answer for my witness. God said that we're going to give an account for every idle word. Have you ever thought about what that means? I don't think that's talking about fooling around, cutting up, Brother Eddie. I've heard preachers say, bless God, you ought to be serious all the time. No, 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 no. God wants us to enjoy ourselves. He gave us this life, and he wants us. When he says, you're going to give an account for every idle word, here's, what I, here's Brian theology. I'll be more than stand to be corrected by great doctors in here. But Treadway theology, I believe what he means is every word that we talk to sinners that we didn't try to get the gospel and get them to Jesus, we're going to give an account for those times. I you're doing nothing. If an engine's idling, it ain't going forward, it ain't going backwards, it's just setting. Our words, our witness ought to constantly be pushing people, not to us, but to Christ. How many idle words are you going to give account for, for your family, for that neighbor, for that gas attendant you see once in a while, that grocery store clerk you see regularly, for that person on the job that you work with? 